Hello and welcome to TNB. Myself, Phil, and Cousin Mud. Hello, Cousin Mud. How are you? I am. I'm not too bad. You know, considering everything that's been going on in this country today, I'm doing all right. Oh, you mean Stormont's collapsing itself again? Yeah, pretty much. Like, see, when we were like years ago, this didn't happen as regularly, sure it didn't. You see. I'm not sure because I never really pay, well, not that I do pay much attention to politics now, but the decisions they're making is affecting my life now in terms of my <laughs> bills are going to go up and now it's really annoying me. So I yeah. can't understand why, you know, my parents got pissed off with this when I was younger. Um, maybe it did, like, I don't know. They've, they've collapsed once before, haven't they? I can't recall. But I don't know. Time. Maybe it feels to me like they just they do it every three or four months. Well, a certain party does for votes, like, but well, uh, that's none of my business. Nope, um, that indeed it is not, and this is not a politics podcast, so we shan't not get into it. Apologies, folks, I just fixed my microphone here. Um, can you hear me better, Jonathan? Oh, wonderful! Like you're right beside me in the room. Here. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to get into it tonight. We're going to talk about um the transfer window's over. Um, Arsenal. Got rid of a lot of dead wood. Why we both think that was a good thing. Um, obviously, Abamyang's coach today on Mikel Arteta is interesting too. I got into a bit of a, a heated discussion with Fulham fans on Twitter by accident. So we'll talk about that. Uh, I, meant we they weren't too bad. I was waiting on them, like you know, offering to murder me with um, tea and crumpets or something, but they didn't thankfully. Um, and we'll chat about. Uh, Boba Fett, obviously, which we've just finished catching up with, um, and anything else we've caught, caught up on this week, week's um, TV and, and the usual TMB. It can go anywhere, so who knows where it'll end up. But Jonathan, the Arsenal, not a January transfer window for incomings, more a January transfer window for getting people to fuck out of the club. What did you make of Arsenal's deals, sort of? Uh, this January as in outgoings and what do you make generally of the surround like how does it feel within the Arsenal fan base at the minute because I know there's been it, it looks like it's split on the Bamiang going which I didn't realise so many people would care that much I thought people were all on the same boat that no he's not really working out here so it's time to move him on uh, well technically we did sign two players uh, oh, sorry one of them's not coming to the summer now, granted. Uh, actually, both aren't coming to the summer. <laughs> just just realizing. Yeah. Both uh, both from the MLS, Colorado Rapids, and New England Revolution, I believe. Is the other guy's goalkeeper. Uh, so that's the clear indication that Bernd Leno will be departing in the summer anyway. Um, a lot of dead wood out the door now at Arsenal. I don't know. I feel it's sort of strange. Um, I'm not annoyed about it, yet I'm not happy about the business in January because well firstly I feel like if we had a brought in players in midfield and up front my confidence in us reaching the top four would be you know a lot higher and it, like we, we still the players we have left are still the starting 11 that have got us where we are at the moment so we can't be too critical there so I still think that team's good enough to make the top four but I feel just not bringing in a striker, not bringing in 
a player who can play midfield with Party or or Jaka, you know, depending on who's out injured or suspended or whatever, um, it's gonna bite us in the ass. It just feels like we're gonna fall short now. I just feel it in my bones. Um, and James- I think with 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 January as well, people think that you know you can't get good deals in January or you get stung in January type thing. Um. Like uh, Liverpool have had, I've seen it both ways. We obviously uh, lost Fernando Torres to to Brandy and his mates, but and then we we brought in Andy Carroll, and everybody always highlights the Andy Carroll one, obviously because it was thirty five million. But we also brought in Luis Suarez in that January transfer window, um, and I mean he was excellent football wise <laughs> for the club. Um, Virgil Van Dijk. Uh, that's the next one I was about to say. We sold Philip Coutinho for three hundred and ten billion pounds, <laughs> and we brought in Virgil. Van, do you know what I mean? We brought in Virgil Van Dijk, and now Liverpool brought in Luis Diaz. And that's it, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens with there. But I I I do think like I do genuinely think the January transfer window is actually could be a good one if you're smart about it. And so we'll talk about the attackers. I sent you a video last night from from the the brilliant Tifo. Tifo, uh-huh. sorry, from the withdrawn the athletic. Um I'm, and this is one of the things I want to talk about tonight. I'm I'm finding myself getting into football analytics. And that's Rizo's fault. Him and his big beautiful brain. Um, which is in no way smooth, by the way. It is the most beautiful brain ever. Um so I sent that video and they talked about three players. Mm-hmm. I Isaac, who was linked, uh mm-hmm. from Real Sociedad, the, the Swedish striker, uh Calvert Lewin, obviously from Everton, who's heavily linked. And someone I think they might go after, depending on how Everton go go on this season. Pardon me, in the summer. And then another one who I was really intrigued with was Jonathan David mm-hmm. from Lille. What do you make of those three as options? Say, like, is that something Arsenal should really be trying to pinpoint? Should that be the main focus now? Come the summer transfer window, an out and out number nine, which I think would only really be. Uh, Calvert-Lewin or Jonathan David, to be honest, but right now, number nine, someone that they can build the attack upon and go from there. Like, where is it? Where do you think Arsenal should be looking? Yeah, but three, those three strikers have been linked in January. In January, there, um, I wasn't really excited about the the lad Isaac, the Swedish guy. Um, he done well at the was it the Euros, yeah, the Euros, yeah. sorry, there last year. But you know. I don't know a lot about him, so I've done a bit of reading, and it just seems like he's had one good season there with Real Sociedad, and now his price has just went ski rocket. Um, I think it was David Ornstein said that Arsenal just weren't prepared to pay the money that's Real Sociedad were looking for him. I think he's completely overpriced, and I'm kind of glad they've taken that decision. I think we would have been massively done in. We kind of seen uh, with Nicolas Pepe, we paid way over the top for him, and not that Pepe has been a complete disaster, but I don't think he's lived up to the hype. And I think that is to do with the price tag, that kind of pressure that came with that. Um, Jonathan David and Calvert-Lewin definitely a bit more exciting. Um, Calvert-Lewin's obviously proven he can score goals in the Premier League. Um, mm. I think someone told me he was an Arsenal fan as well. So it, it might obviously help the English striker as well. So, you know, the premium that's going to come with that. Uh, obviously, helps Arsenal if Everton well, sorry, when Everton do get relegated because Fat Frank is in charge of Everton now, so Carl Brenton's going to kill you 
Well, you know what, Max Raven Twitter, if they got relegated with Cashley Cole as well as a coach, I would fucking love every second of that. Jonathan David, I've heard a lot about, and he seems like a very exciting young striker. Um, some people have tried to compare him to Henri, but I mean, don't think anybody should ever be compared to Henri again. Uh, don't see him with Anthony Martial. Look what happened there. Complete shit show. Um, but yeah, like I think Calvert Lewin or Jonathan Davis would be Jonathan David, sorry, my my preference. And I think we do. We need a striker who can who's going to be able to score twenty plus goals because the clack is that is great at holding up the ball, but he's not scoring goals. And Kedia hasn't scored a Premier League goal this season. Still shouldn't and, be there. No, he shouldn't be there. But you know, they're both probably going to go in the summer. Uh, seeing the Leon president came out yesterday and said. They're going to do everything they can to get Lagazette back. So I could see that happening. Uh, Lagazette's best mate, of course, Aubameyang's moved to Barcelona. We'll talk about that in a bit, I'm sure. But um, it, is, it is a priority probably for a striker and for a central midfielder to replace Granit Xhaka. I think that's where Arsenal really need to prioritise come the summer. Um, it's kind of strange now because I listened to the Arsecast Extra today from Monday and... It is strange. We're actually only in one competition now, which is the Premier League. It, it's strange, like even like as bad as Arsenal have been over the last couple of years, they've still had you know Europa League, FA Cup, or whatever, and in, quite into the late stages of that competition. And now we're just in nothing. Yeah. It's just, just the Premier League. Like we've no hope of the Premier League, um, which is what annoys me more about the fact we didn't recruit in January. Is that we're only in one competition, and I really think that top four is really, really achievable for us, but. It's annoying, like, you know, James McNicholas also said that Arsenal feel like maybe they're going to be a year ahead of themselves by getting top four this year. When, you know, you got to take the opportunity when it's there because West Ham are strengthening, Tottenham will definitely strengthen, and so will United, inevitably they will. Like, so it's annoying, like, you know, it's there for us to take it and we're just mucking about. Yeah, I, I get that, and I'm glad you said it and not me. Um, it it this did feel like a missed opportunity for Arsenal. Now it would have been very hard, granted, for them to get probably one of those three in and not play pay absolutely through the stones for them. I get that, but to not get anyone in when you'd pushed um let Aubameyang go to Barcelona. <sighs> And as much as Aubameyang has been a complete bollocks at times, it does, it just, it just, the big flashing lights are, this could be the shortfall. Now, on Aubameyang, you've let Aubameyang go to Barcelona and you've saved nearly 23 million, I think, isn't it, in wages or something stupid? 25. 25, like, that, that, unless I've missed it, I'm sorry, but that has not been talked about enough. Like I know, I know. Player wise, they look short. Arsenal, I get that, and I and I understand people are Aubameyang stands because when on his day, he is truly brilliant football player. But Arsenal were able to save twenty five million pounds and let him go to Barcelona for free. That is mental. That is insane. <laughs> um... I suppose it's, it's nice to probably give Arsenal a bit of credit for once um, for doing something smart in the transfer market. I did see today, I didn't read the actual article because I was working. I just scrolled through it and seen that 
I think we are still paying. It's either a percentage of his wage or something until the end of the season. I think that's kind of the agreement. That's what kind of got him out of the club. But again, still that that massive saving of twenty five million. You know, for a guy who's who's not going to play, whose attitude was shit. Um, again, had to take a dig at Arteta and his press conference today. I just think he could have just left that alone and just said, "Listen, I don't want to talk about that." The time that the clubs came to an end, sad the way it's came to an end, but it is what it is. But he decided, no, I'm going to take a dig at Mikel Arteta. So I think that kind of just says everything about the guy's, you know, personality, you know, his maturity. Um, and some, like you said, you said at the start of the podcast, like some people, you know, are sorry, the fan base is sort of split on a Bamiang. Um, Which I find some, weird. Yeah, not, not, sorry, not weird, but I think, look, the Liverpool fan base, and I'm going to sound like Steve O'Rourke here, is, is completely bonkers. It's completely insane. It is, all right? Um, uh, every A lot of the fan bases are. Um, but the Arsenal one seems to want to always be fighting with itself. Mm-hmm. Do you know, it, 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 it never seems... Um, joined never seems as one anymore it always seems to be at each uh, there's some always some fraction of it at each other do you know what i mean it just seems broken still Mm -hmm. yeah um when we went on that good run there um between october probably just like we had a few rough results in november like but between that period the fan base was united the team was playing well and that's probably the first time in a long time i've seen the entire fan base Bar obviously those clowns from that fan channel that have united and got behind the team and you know that that energy was was reflected on the pitch you know the team had that buzz they had they, they fed off it and you know that's kind of went away there you know over january you know obviously there wasn't as many games played but disappointing you know we lost against city but we felt like we should have got something from that game went out of the fa cup and um you know, obviously Tottenham game didn't go ahead and things like that there and you had a chance against Liverpool with no Salah and Mane as well or Thiago or Yeah Kaida. Drew at home to Burnley, which was obviously a big disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um But I don't know, it we'll, we'll find out I suppose this weekend. Um we have a really tough game as Wolves, like you know, Wolves are flying. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how the team um get on this weekend. Especially with the fact that like Aubameyang, even though he was controversial character with a fan base he was very well liked in in the dressing room it's, it's reflected in the fact on social media today there's been plenty of the players that have been posting up about him leaving so um it'll be interesting to see how they get on now with with him out of the club he obviously looked after saka um during his time there so hopefully we can we can get a result because we really what, what did you make of his comments and what do you make of i i think like at arteta Arteta is still like Arteta is still finding his feet, and I think sometimes uh, Arsenal have looked brilliant, and I think sometimes it's looked too easy to pull them apart. And I'm only talking about Liverpool matches here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I know they had that uh, brilliant defensive performance at Anfield in the first leg of the League Cup, but then they didn't back it up the next week. And this is what I'm talking about with Arteta. He, he, he's still like a seesaw manager, but one thing I think he has been brilliant at. Is it's obvious he's 
he is the main man at the club now. And Emery wasn't when he came in. And it was a bit all over the place, you know, you felt he felt a little bit weaker. And when Arteta first came in, you sort of thought, what way is this going to go? And, and towards the end of Arsenal's time, it felt like the players were more in charge, where it's Mikel's in charge. Mm-hmm. And I think Arsenal have needed this. And I, I think, yes, this season you might end up coming up short, but I think this could be a pivotal moment for Arteta's reign at Arsenal. I'm not talking about Aubameyang in general, I'm talking about the players that he and, and as a whole. He's come into that squad and went, I think it was, is it nine or ten? He's went, no, 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 no. Basically, out, 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 out. Mm-hmm. I think I think he has to be credited for this because I do genuinely, and this might come back and slap me in the face. I do I think this could be if he goes on to be successful, this could this sort of period where he's got rid of these players could be a moment where they look back and go, "Hang on, he had the stones there to do that, and now look where we are." Yeah, I've liked what Arteta has done. The fact that he has, you know, cleared out likes of Erzul, Guendouzi, Nyad Bamiang. Like, he doesn't give a shit who you are or what you've done in the past. If you aren't buying into his ways and you know this, the way the club wants to be run, what way it wants to go now, like this is I, the I, way. Yeah, this is the way. Is right. It's um, <laughs> like you're right. The players, you know, ran the roost and bangers last year's. Emery just had no control. The board didn't back him, and that was quite obvious. He was only there for like eighteen months, so. Mm. It's um, it's good to see somebody who's actually showing a bit of balls, standing up to the players. You know, you buy into what I'm trying to do here, or you're gone. And like, Aubameyang has annoyed me for a while now. It's just his attitude, just off the pitch, not scoring enough goals, especially since he signed that big contract. I'm just glad to see the back of it. It's just the nightmare is kind of over now. I think this is. If they didn't learn from the Ozil situation, the Aubameyang one should be the one to really knock them on the head and yeah. not give players going into their 30s 300 grand a week. Um, just, just lunacy, and it's hard to get them out. Like like I said, we've had to pay a bit of his wages to get him to piss off in January. And, like, I mean, we actually thought it was a deal between Arsenal and Barcelona for Aubameyang, but the fact is that Aubameyang left Arsenal, so Barcelona could actually get the deal done, which was... Um, quite interesting um but listen it's done now it's over with i'm sure arsenal have many good times ahead like i don't know if it'll be a Premier league or a champions league or whatever like but you know there'll definitely be probably some good cup runs and things like that there but it's hard to know where arteta's arsenal's going to go at the moment like you said it's so hot and cold we have unbelievable performances and then it, it seems to be always against Liverpool that we just kind of I don't know Arteta has a brain fart he's maybe afraid to kind of well he had that I, good start where he had three games in a row where Klopp couldn't land the glove on him mm. didn't he he couldn't he couldn't land the glove on him and then I think it's your fault actually because you kept winding me up about it and then all of a sudden Klopp has just yeah. dusted him ever since <laughs> yeah I think Klopp's just like we're just going to attack them now yeah. and Mikael's kind of opened up a wee bit like we're not as defensively solid against Liverpool for some mad reason. For some reason, Jada, Jada, uh, you know the way strikers do this. They find a club that they just pick on, like Henri yeah. picked on Liverpool. Henri Drogba picked, picked on, picked on Liverpool. Picked on Drogba picked on Arsenal. Yeah, they did and, big time. And, and Jada's like, hmm, I like playing here. Goal. 
Do you know what I mean? It's 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 just one of those. Like um, so there was that side on the Liverpool side. Obviously, the Saint Louis Louis Diaz. Um, so excited for that. Like I, I really can't wait to see. I've been crying out for us to get a South American forward for ages. Um, so I'm super super excited for that. Um, and I think he he possibly is in the will be in the squad for Sunday against Cardiff. Um, but they they were in for Fabio Carvalho. Uh, the young Portuguese took English. Yes, forward. I heard you mention on Monday Night's podcast <laughs> that you had signed him, basically. It was all nearly yeah, done. It, 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 it was all agreed, on, but unfortunately they didn't get the paperwork over the line. But it looks like it's um, it's been agreed anyway. Um, it happened in the summer. It's, well, it's, I, think, I think there's murmurs that something could be coming very soon, but whatever. Um, so that didn't happen. That was fine. Uh Oh dear, we'll, we'll get something sorted. You know what I mean? It's not. Uh, I'm old enough now not to get too frustrated uh, at all. Frustrated, sorry about transfers, but saw a comment from a, a fan, a following fan uh, that I follow on uh, on Twitter. A, a brilliant uh, journalist, by the way, at BBC uh, from over here, and she she sort of said like, you know, but I'm glad we stood up to Liverpool. And such and such, which is fair enough. Uh, Fulham fans and Fulham in general, I don't think are too pleased with Liverpool because of the Harvey Elliott debacle. Um, Liverpool got it to a tribunal and, and got money down on the deal when Fulham obviously thought that they should have been getting more for him. And that might prove to be certainly the case that they would have wanted a lot more for him, judging by how good a footballer he already looks. Anyway, so I understand that. But I, all I said, all I had said was, but sure, did Fulham not agree to do the deal? Which they had done. Fulham had agreed in the end. Yeah, we'll do this deal. Eight million it is. We'll get it done. And this started a snowball effect between two other Fulham chaps and myself, who at the start were not happy at all that I'd said this. And had then been talking about how Liverpool had been given their arse uh, by Fulham because uh, obviously they didn't get him over the line. And I, I... I, I, thankfully, it didn't go get her too hard, too far, and it was it was actually a good. It wasn't even heated. It was a good sort of debate, but it was just. I was just thinking about it. I, I was doing. I was in Tesco's when it was all kicking off, and I was on my phone. I was just thinking, like, this is mental. Like, you know, <laughs> there's fans here that, and their whole day has been made up because a club didn't sign a player, even though it's widely known that that player has, has agreed to join and is about to join. It's just, it's just where we're at now, a football fandom, that we're just getting, we win because you didn't sign our player now, but it turns out actually, hang on, we should have done that deal and should have made sure it was done because you're going to get him for less <laughs> in the summer. So it was just, uh, it's weird that's how... Just, that's just football fans from clubs and, and in the West t- London. The, they're, the, just well, they're just all we... We decades, aren't they? <laughs> Hang on, Mo Salah's through here for Egypt. Oh, keeper did really well. Um, he should have scored. Um, the and, and and it got me thinking, like transfers in general, people live off them too much. Yeah, you definitely. know, it, it's definitely. it's mental now. Like, and it's not even at the point. Like, don't get me wrong. When we were younger. Like I remember, even when I first sort of met Sarah, which is seven, nearly eight years ago now, will be eight years ago, come May. That um, you know, that August, the transfer window was closing, and I remember being with Brandy and their cousin Connor of the day of it, and talking about how I think we did actually end up going to Connor's house and loaded our mates. Rizzo might have been there, um, 
talking about uh, I'm watching Transfer Deadline Day because Jim White was coming on the TV. Remember that used to be a whole big thing and boy, this is what's going to happen. Was this uh, before I, Jim White was a dick? Well, yeah. Um, and it's sort of been like, remembering <laughs> later on the stage thinking transfers, like Deadline Day. But it seems to be such a thing now. It's just, it's, I, I find it like tedious sometimes. Don't get me wrong, I love reading or watching or listening to something on potential new signings and how these players might fit in their club. I love those Tiffo things I showed you, Sensible Transfers. I think they're one of the best things on YouTube. And check them out, definitely. Um, and they break it down, and then they break it down why this player might fit and why it won't. They don't get into like the player's character or anything I like got there, or the, even the money sort of thing. They go in, they get into basically their playing style, their attributes, and how they fit. But when it gets to like the the dealings and stuff, I'm just like, this is insane. Like this is just how it, it sort of almost takes over the football landscape now, rather than focusing on the actual ball being kicked. Yeah, it's people. Well, Arsenal fans, sorry, in particular, still talk about the day we signed um, Ozil. And to be honest, I remember it like it, it, it was crazy. You know, the fact that we were sitting there, uh, me and a mate, I remember we're sitting in his house watching, like you say, a transfer deadline day. Um, Sky were outside of the Emirates. There were a load of fans around the reporter and he broke the news. Arsenal have done it. They've signed Ozil and they all went mental. Absolutely nuts. And um, more so over the years now, it's kind of, I, well, I haven't really watched Sky or Sky Sports News or anything. I think it's a little shit. They're <laughs> bringing in YouTubers now on the show, which is like, what the fuck is this? Um, it's more, you're probably seeing with me, it's more through Twitter, through the likes mm-hmm. of David Ornstein, or for me in particular, like Charles Watts or James Benz. Like, they're the type of journalists I follow to see who we're bringing in. Um, it, I, now the odd Spurs one shows up and it's funny as fuck because you know <laughs> they're they're talking about signing. I remember when they were going about to sign um, Dybala and then that never happened. Um, and then Luis Diaz as well. You know we thought that one was over the line for Spurs. And <laughs> is that is that a true story? By the way, let me ask you: Is this a true story that Spurs negotiated the fee down with Porto? Is this <laughs> yeah, true? Yeah. So. Um... Well, it's it's true as in like we've journalists are saying it. So whether it is the hundred percent the case, this is what is out now. So and enough people have said it. So you, do you know what I mean by that? Mm-hmm. Um. So yes, the crack was that Liverpool have been interested in Lewis Diaz. It seems to be a thing if you play really well against Klopp, he's like fuck it, I'm buying him. Um, so hopefully Liverpool come up against uh, PSG at some point and Mbappe puts in another performance no um, yeah, so Liverpool have been linked with him uh, and, 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 and the crack and the talk was that it was going to be in the summer that he had been heavily scouted Liverpool I think it already maybe, maybe put the feelers out with Porto before that uh, the summer is where they're going to make their move and Luis Diaz is going to be one of the summer acquisitions apparently Liverpool are going to go big this summer so it was all right. Um, they were nice and relaxed during January, getting through January, all right, to be honest. Six games, I think five wins and a draw in the League Cup semi-final, and only like two, one or two goals conceded without the the two main fellas off over in, in Afghan. Everything was going grand. Spurs obviously need an injection of something. Um, they're in a sort of similar position as Arsenal. Like 
top four is there for Spurs if they can get their act together. There's one or two, one team's going to get their act together. This top four race and it's going to be over then. So they're like right, Lewis Diaz and and Lewis Diaz and Son and then Harry Kane is an exciting forward line when all three are fit and all three are firing. That, that, that's a that's not something you want to go up against for North London derby. Certainly not, Jonathan. <laughs> You'd rather not. So that was all right. The Spurs come in, yes, and they start negotiations with obviously Porto. Porto originally were hoping to get eighty million, eighty million euros, uh, around about that for Diaz. Spurs come in and negotiated it down to, I think the add-ons Liverpool have got on anyway. I think it takes it to about forty-five million pounds, maybe, or forty-five million euros. I'm not sure. It's thirty-seven million pounds now anyway. And when Liverpool caught wind. <laughs> that Spurs uh, have done this. The supposedly then they decided, all right, well we're going to come in now and, uh, and offer something. And Luis Diaz, as soon as he heard Liverpool were interested, that's who he wanted to go to. He he wanted Liverpool to come in anyway, apparently, but he they weren't at the time. Well, they didn't know Spurs were doing this. He, I think, I think their his representatives all thought it was going to be coming in the summer anyway. So. Play on at Porto, keep doing your thing, and hopefully guide Porto to another league title. But then this all snowballed, and it was literally by the talks of it. And listening to the Anfield rap and a few talks and a few of the conversations on it, they had Pierre. I think it's Pierre. Sorry if I got that wrong. The the Colombian journalist that broke the news first. Liverpool literally a phone call. Julian Ward, who's the new uh, sporting director at Liverpool, played for Lisbon Distillery by the way for a while. Um, he speaks fluent Portuguese. <laughs> Get on the phone with Diaz. This is the crack. Clapo got clapped a FaceTime Luis Diaz. And within a matter of hours, Spurs were gone. Liverpool had signed them. <laughs> That's crazy. And now Daniel, crazy. the talk is now that Spurs are human and that, that there's a fractious relationship between Daniel Levy and uh, and John Henry. But who gives a uh, fuck? Like, yeah, that's, that's business. Like you know, that is that 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 I don't care about that because I'll never be involved in that side. So I don't give a shit. The fans and the fans coming together do great things. Like food, not not the food banks are great. I don't mean that, but to support food banks and support all different things and make football better, make football cheaper, make football more accessible, and kick out racism and on all this and homophobia and different things. I care about that, but at the business end, if the two owners don't like each other, I don't give a fuck. No, I do not care. That is their business, and it is strictly business. And that's what happened. And obviously, you're delighted, even though he's oh, insane. <laughs> I, I thought it was hilarious. I loved every <laughs> second of it. And I, I seen that um, as the guy's name, Steve in King, I can't remember, Spurs, whatever he was, he's the guy that's in the Spurs documentary who negotiates all the yes. deals to get the players. And he's left. Have you seen, yeah, have you seen the list of guys that he actually had lined up for Spurs? But Daniel Levy pulled the plug on it because he felt it was too high a fee. Like he apparently had Bruno Fernandez agreed to come to Spurs, Dybala, a few other players. I can't remember the entire list, like, but it's just <laughs> I think I've seen someone was it somebody said um, he's better ban a razor or something like for to cut his hair instead of fucking negotiating for Spurs. I I think um, and this is mostly your fault. We give Spurs a touch, obviously, in this podcast. We we all have a joke and a laugh, but I think if Spurs are are gonna want to be serious then they have to start behaving like adults in the football world and in transfers. And I don't mean going out and spend stupid, stupid money. I don't mean that at all. I don't mean... But, but if you have the chance 
and there's a deal on the line that you can get done for someone that's going to make your club. And I mean, within the Liverpool, uh, within Liverpool Football Club, and obviously it's, it's known now within the Liverpool fan base, Klopp wanted Liverpool to make like statement signings that change the direction of your club. Alison Becker and Virgil van Dijk. Now, it turns out Mo Salah <laughs> is very good football and Sadio Mane and Fabrino and all those as well. But it was van Dijk and it was Alison Becker. And he got both of them. And I don't understand why Daniel... I do not do not get it why Daniel Levy won't... Like Dybala. I know Dybala has injury issues, but said Dybala's one. Bruno Fernandes. Like, he had a chance and they had a chance to get in there first. And they didn't do it. This is just utter negligence from Spurs. They get they exactly the what Fernandez. they deserve. What? They signed the wrong Fernandez. <laughs> they did. So it's just, I don't know. It, Spurs, I know you'll want it to keep happening, but Spurs, if they want to be serious, they're going to have to listen to Antonio Conte. And these lists, Daniel Levy's going to have to at some point go, right. I think he's maybe stung because they signed in, in Dombele and it didn't work out. That's fine. Like I, I get that, but there's sometimes they're going to have to really bite the bullet here and go and get certain players. Or what's going to happen Spurs is, not a, maybe Kane might leave, but the age profile of the other, some of the other players, some might leave, things like this here, that's going to come to the point and Spurs are going to drift. And once you drift and get a little bit too far, you, we both know it's like it took Liverpool years mm-hmm. to get back to anything. And it's taken Arsenal, Arsenal still trying to make their way back. It's tight, like it's very, very tough. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think, um, I, I think with with that, like Spurs will have to do something in the summer. They'll have to do something serious. But I think generally on on the transfer deadline day and transfers, Newcastle just saying two big massive pullers, uh, Dan Burns, Chris Wood, and then Bruno Gimenez uh, from Leon. Obviously, he's a brilliant midfielder. But what did you make of? The talk was that Newcastle wanted Lingard. Now, football's been had a couple of pretty grim stories this week, and we're going to stay not stay clear of them, not to do them any in, uh, injustice or anything. No, no, not at all. But just to keep it lighthearted, because football has seen a couple of grim things, and there's much more qualified people than me and you, Jonathan, to talk about those stories and to not get themselves tied up in any legal battles. But um, so Lingard was going to go to Newcastle, mm-hmm. but. United didn't let him go in the end because there was a clause they wanted implemented in the deal. But also then they were like, well, hang on. This is talking. Eh? We don't want to strengthen Newcastle in case they end up in a battle with us. Not this season, but in season after for top four. And I was like, what? When I heard this, I was like, hang on. What? That can't be true. That cannot be true. I heard that on, on uh, Stadio were talking about it, that they didn't want to strengthen. And I wonder now if that's going to happen with Newcastle, where I don't think it'll be happening in the top four teams generally, but like you know, say, like teams in and around seven, eight, eighth, seventh, and sixth, say Newcastle stay up, and then next season they're like, oh, you want, our, say, you want, yo, you want John, you want uh, Bruno, or you call him Neves, you want Neves, 200 million. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> because like Brighton were just like, you want Dan Burns, he's massive, but he is a Geordie, have him. Burnley, mm. they can they can do anything like but I mean Burnley done right, they've got uh Weghorst in now, they're gonna be grand. But do you know what I mean? It was such a 
United do realise that they were they were looking Jesse Lingard and not you know Ronaldo or someone like you know <laughs> what in the fuck like you know Jesse Lingard's a decent footballer but he's not gonna friggin catapult you up to friggin challenge for the top four fuck me pink like what a... <laughs> the I don't think they meant this season I think I think they meant for future seasons they didn't <laughs> want something where they were like nah we don't want to strengthen and I just want because you have. It's it's not necessarily the case with City. We've talked about City before, people don't really care about them, but I mean City took Sterling. But teams, you know, they'll go to City, but you do feel that the rest of the clubs and the rest of the clubs fan bases really don't want Newcastle to do anything. Don't you? You feel like there would be a collective roar if Newcastle got relegated. Like we would be able to hear it across the RC. <laughs> do you know what uh, I mean? At the moment, they're just um, they're at that stage now where I'm still not worried about them. Like they they could still go down, yeah. but I mean they've signed probably the tallest I'm footballer in the world in Danburn. Uh, he's a big lad, and he played left back for Brighton at one stage. Because remember him marking yeah. the Kyle Saka, and I was like, the fuck, this the height difference here is unreal. And he was actually decent as left back as well. He actually was quite decent. Um, yep. But that that's kind of nice now, knowing that he is at Newcastle and that they'll go up against him against Brighton now. But, um, okay, like I would say, majority of the football, well, English supporting teams want to see Newcastle get the hell down into the championship. Um, but they made some smart signings, and that's kind of what my mate Mosey said to me at the time. Like Newcastle aren't going to go out and sign your Mbappes or whatever; they're going to go out and sign maybe mid-level players. Which they pretty much have done, except for big Bruno from from Leon. He actually has been even scouted by ourselves. Oh, he he looks unbelievable, Johnny. That's yeah, a brilliant signing. It is a brilliant signing for them. Uh, it's been one that obviously has pissed off our own fans because they're wondering why Arsenal never bothered to go in for them. But I don't know, like whatever. We didn't go for him at the end of the day. I I feel like if Arsenal really did want him, they would have went and got him, but they didn't. Um. Yeah, so I think I think Newcastle will stay up. I can't really see them going down now. I I don't know if if you feel the same, but I feel they're stronger now than the teams down there. And I think be, yeah, the blue side I, of Merseyside is <laughs> heading down. Well, well, the the blue side have got Deli Ali and Donny Van de Beek in. Um, but Deli Ali's shit. So and I just I just I do worry. I do massively worry for Everton. Um, but do you I, really, though? Do I, you yeah. really worry? Do you really worry about Everton getting relegated? <laughs> Jonathan. See, you I'm don't have serious. the derby. You wouldn't have I'm the derby, right? Guy. But I don't. No, I don't. I completely, I, completely, like, I'm not, I completely get where you're coming from, right? If Spurs get relegated, we wouldn't have the derby. But I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm completely fine with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I think if 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 Everton get relegated and Liverpool win one of a, the, the league or the Champions League, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go missing for a week. Um, so I think, yeah, I think I I, I don't want to see Everton go down genuinely. I I, I, I know Everton fans, uh, um, but I do worry for them genuinely. I do think if I was an Everton fan, I'd be shaking myself for the remainder of the season. Is that because they've got Frank Lampard as their manager now? Yeah, I think that's going to be a mistake. 
I hate that get is a mistake um, because I, what, that's not what me, are Frank's th- credentials though that he should I, I get these th- Premier League jobs? I don't think I, I think Lampard at we're back to say the championship again and I went with a team from there and was able to go like say like Bournemouth like his, I think his, his uncle, I hire I manage Bournemouth or Fulham or someone else from the championship was able to go game in the championship and build his way back up I think eventually because he's very cl- he's a clever man Lampard I think eventually he will be an okay he will be a good manager don't think he'll ever be a, a title winning manager and there was times when Lampard Lampard put a performance Lampard's Chelsea put a performance in at White Hart Lane against Spurs and they were brilliant he outclassed Mourinho and Spurs they were excellent but then there was obviously the drop off um, with what happened and I think with Lampard as well uh, Lampard gets so much stick because Tuchel what Tuchel did but Tuchel's elite do you know what I mean Lampard wasn't replaced by Di Matteo he was replaced by Thomas Tuchel one of the top three four managers in the world and I think that's why it looks so poor on Lampard. Like people are like, "What were you actually? What What were you doing, Frank? Like, what was you just having the crack and training? What was What was going on there the last time?" When it it really wasn't the case. But and I I just I don't think he's the right fit at Everton. I don't think he's going to be the right fit to keep them up. And this could be, if he does go down, catastrophic for him. Catastrophic for him. So it was. Uh, it's brave and fair fucks to him. It's brave, but I I just think Everton are in, they have on paper the, the, the best out of the, the four or five teams that are gonna fight for it, the best strike force, Calvert and Carson and Damari Gray feeding it. But it's just the way they're getting on at the minute, the way they're playing at the minute, it doesn't feel like there's a fight there. Um so it'd be interesting to see what happens. I think getting in Lampard is Everton getting in like a big name, but it's not a big name manager. Like he was a big name player. He done mm. it week in week out for Chelsea. Mm. Um, and maybe they feel having Frank Lampard into the club is going to have a positive effect on the players. But I mean, like Brenton obviously stuck up for Lampard after Steve kind of criticised him on your your Monday pod. <laughs> um. I I understand where Steve's coming from. I understand where Brenton's coming from. Like Frank did have a transfer ban, but you know he sold Aiden Hazard for a hundred. Well, it wasn't him, like, but you know Chelsea sold Aiden Hazard. They had that money the following summer for him to make signings. I can't remember who Frank signed, but I mean, it's not like Chelsea had a team bad of Werner team. and Havertz. Yeah, it's not like Chelsea had a bad team anyway. You know, before mm. Havertz and Timo Werner arrived, like they did have a strong team. So it's a difficult one, kind of, because he done obviously well enough with Derby, just kind of fell short. But I don't see the credentials for him to have another Premier League job. Like he obviously got the Chelsea job because he's a Chelsea legend. But why? Why are Premier League clubs, especially Everton, who are going to be in a dog fight here for the next couple of months, bringing in Frank Lampard, who's had no experience of? Getting teams out of a relegation fight, you know, it's and yes, they brought in Dali Ali like and Danny Van der Beek. Yeah, who Van der Beek has been wasted at Manchester United, by the way, wasted. Dali Ali has yeah. been in abysmal form, he has been nowhere near the player he was when he broke into Spurs. So, I don't know yeah. really how that one's going to work out for them, but 
Only time will tell, I suppose. I think if Lampard had of, I know Derby have their issues now, obviously, uh, with administration, but he got them to the, the championship playoff and then was beat by a good championship Villa side, a good Villa side. Um, but I think if he had stayed there and done another year um, or whatever at Derby, we might see a different Lampard now. And then I think if he'd gone from there into maybe the Everton job or something, whatever, people would be like, oh, hang on, actually, yeah, Lampard's done his due diligence in the championship. He's done what he did with Derby. He was able to work with a squad that was a wee bit limited, but he was able to bring in some young players and work with them. And now let's see how he gets on here at Everton. But it's because of how it ended at Chelsea, how Tuchel changed the team like that and just looked so above Lampard. And again, that's nothing to do with Frank Lampard. That's just the level Thomas Tuchel's at. I think that's where the big things come, where a lot of people will criticise him and think you actually haven't a clue. Whereas I think he does, but I don't think he's good enough to ever be a title winner. Um, I think he may be more suited than possibly being an international manager, but we'll see it down the line. Before we move and f- and talk about TV this week and Boba Fett and different things, I watched The Old Firm last night, Jonathan. I watched um, Celtic v Rangers at Parkhead. And I've been, mm-hmm. I must confess, I've started watching a bit of Scottish football now. I know I was one criticising it and didn't enjoy it. Um, but I wanted to watch this Celtic side under Big Ange. And mm-hmm. they're a joy to watch. Now, I'm anyway, just fan listening. Sorry. And please keep listening to the podcast. Northern Ireland's mental enough as it is. This has nothing to do with any tribalism. I'm just talking purely football. They are a joy to watch. A joy to, that half, that first half last night, they were, it was one of the best first halves I've seen from a side in Europe in a couple of seasons. It was ridiculous. The tempo of it, the sharpness of the passes. Paddy highlighted it in our WhatsApp group. How quick they got the balls in from throw-ins. Now the ball boys were unreal. Uh, corners were all taken quickly. Joe Hart, whenever he got the ball in his hands, bang, it was out and away. Rangers, Rangers didn't know what was going on. For the first yeah. half, they hadn't a clue what was going on for the first half. And I was really, really, really impressed with Celtic last night. And I haven't been like impressed by a Celtic or Rangers side for a long, long time where I've gone, let me hang on. I wouldn't fancy going to them in a European night because obviously the atmosphere you wouldn't fancy anyway, but it either. But the football inside of it, they'll give you a right game. And, and I know people were doubting him when he came in from the Japanese league, but I, 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 and people won't obviously won't want to watch them. But I urge anyone that is uh, not minded at all to any tribalism to watch this Celtic side and just enjoy how they play football because they are they're brilliant. Yeah, um, I remember watching Celtic probably around a year ago. Um, how poor they were, and it really was just. They were crap. They really were boring to watch, you know. And I think maybe we've, we've talked about Celtic Rangers before, about how kind of like the leagues, but dead, the football's boring, whatever. Um, I only seen the highlights of that game because I was actually indoor myself. Um, when Celtic scored that third goal, I didn't I didn't even look at what was going on in the pitch. I looked at the fans behind goal and there were limbs everywhere. Everywhere. It was bonkers i just i love seeing that in football fans just going nuts um now i have a lot of mates that support celtic and rangers mm-hmm. um 
Same. One of, the, one of them actually on Twitter last night. Now I got back my phone. All I kept saying was, he's a Rangers fan now. Sorry, I should explain that. For fuck's sake. Fuck me. We are shite. Fuck this. <laughs> it's just like, it mustn't be going well for Rangers. <laughs> no. No, it, it didn't. Um, I think, I don't know if you heard this now. I thought it was quite interesting. Um, Aaron Ramsey didn't want to be part of the squads because he didn't want his first game to be the old firm. Uh, I thought that was... I thought that was strange. I thought like maybe Ramsey would have wanted to get right into it. You know, he's from watching him for years at Arsenal. He's, he was always a player that usually showed up in the big games, so it was quite surprising. I don't know, maybe you know, Rangers were fucked. He probably got into the first game. <laughs> he's, like, he's hardly a classic Celtic fan, is he? <laughs> no, no, no. You never know, like. But um, that, I know him that, and Joe Ledley are very close. That is, that's a big signing for for Rangers, like. Oh, um, yeah. Aaron Ramsey will probably do very well there, but um, I I haven't really I can't recall an old firm where you know one team is blew the other way by half time. Yeah. There were some great goals scored as well. It was just it was bonkers, you know. And like you say, Celtic Park was absolutely rocking. Um, but I suppose like the old firms needed that for a long time. It's needed that real nice football again, and just for people to have the interest because. Let's be honest, people just watched the old firm over the last couple of years because of the whole hatred between Celtic and Rangers and you're guaranteed to see a red card or two. I don't mm. think there was any red cards last night, was there? No, there wasn't. No, surprising. Um no but 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 um not to say nice to see like because I really don't particularly care what happens in the Scottish League or who wins it. But uh yeah, it seems like uh, just from what I've I've read from my mates from both sides, like it just seems like that's going to be a bit of a turning point in the league this year, yeah. and Rangers have probably thrown it away. But um, I think yeah. as well, what you're going to see now is you're going to see a lot of uh, football writers and tactical football writers focus on this Celtic side. So if if you're a, a fan athletic, or if you read the Guardian, or if you read the Times, or whatever it is you read to get your football fix, or wherever it is, whatever blogs, you're going to start to see people that primarily focus on um, football tactics and new things coming through. You're going to see them talking about this Celtic side and what they're doing. Um, Are they still in Europe? Yeah, they're, they're still in, they're in the Europa Conference, I think. Are they? I think they are. I'll check now. Hold on, I should have checked that before. One. But I, I, I do think people are going to start paying more attention. And um, they were like, I, I watched them against Hearts, and I, and I saw bits against Dundee, and then obviously, uh, last night. And they're sort of a team now. I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember when now Brenton will not like me talking about this? But do you remember when Bielsa was in charge of Bilbao? Mm-hmm. Any time Bill, I could see the Bilbao were on TV, I tried to watch Bilbao. Because they were class to watch, they were just chaotic. Um, and this Celtic side were not—I wouldn't say chaotic. It was structured, so it was obviously biases. But this Celtic side are exciting to watch. They'll have you watching them and wanting to watch them, um, which I haven't seen for a long time in Scotland. And I haven't paid enough attention to Scottish footballs, and I'm 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 pig ignorant to it because I haven't. But um, I'm glad I, I'm glad I sort of have now, and it's something I will be definitely keeping an eye on, especially if they are, as I think, um, still in Europe. I'll just check. They are indeed. The Scottish they League split, doesn't it? Don't they split yep. halfway through? So yep. if that yep. happened now, I'm uh-huh. not sure what way that works. So 
halfway through the season they split so the top six yeah. basically they do it in the Irish league too. Yeah. yeah yeah so they play um, do they play the so be, how many games what? do they play in the Scottish league um is it something like is it near 40 isn't it is it I know they play each other three times or something like that don't they or... ah, and, then, and then the split or something isn't yeah, it is it okay I'm not sure. Maybe it's 36. I'm not sure. Someone well, listening to this so will tell I us. Had a, I had a read it last night after the game to see when they play each other again. So they play each other on the 2nd of April at Ibrox. So that could be a big, massive game and a decider for who's going to win the title. If, like, yes. let's, let's, if you put it like Celtic, Rangers obviously drew at the weekend there and Celtic got a yeah. 93rd minute winner. So yes, it just shows there needs to be a bit of luck in football in general. Like that's how league titles are decided. So um, yeah, it keeps keeps it interesting. Like Celtic, Celtic balls it up last year. Like let's be honest, they could have got the ten in the row the first time ever any of the Scottish teams have done it. Well, Stephen Gerrard won it. Stephen Gerrard did. He came in and just had to spoil the party for Celtic fans. <laughs> I, I could actually hear the Celtic club from up the town uh, from here last night. So they obviously had a good old rattle at it last yeah. night on the paint. Uh, I, drove, I drove past last night at one point and it looked like it was about to get rowdy. <laughs> this is like well before uh, kickoff. Like, it looked, well, uh, I don't know if it was maybe people were just walking to go somewhere else, but it looked like it was about to start getting rowdy. Um, but yeah, so that's one to keep an eye on. But the football chat, that's us done for the football chat uh, for tonight, John. Let's move on to TV. Something closer to our hearts, my friend. More important. Now, little disclaimer. If you've watched the book of Boba Fett and you haven't seen the latest episode, uh, probably want to tune out now. Thanks for listening for the 50-odd four minutes. Catch us on Twitter and Instagram with Football Babble and Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Football Babble. Anything you can donate, they'll be much obliged. One pound a month, we won't care, but thank you very much. Now, anyone else that does watch Boba Fett or doesn't care and wants to stay on with the podcast, keep listening. So Boba Fett was back on last night, Jonathan, and he's back. Mm, my, I feel my like little, my little My little boy's back. Yeah, he's back. He's back. Wheeling the force. Um, <laughs> I I feel like that was an episode for every sort of Star Wars fan out there. Really, um, it was one of my favorite episodes, even of it and of the Mandalorian. It was one. I I I was lying here on the sofa. People that will not see this because I'm not putting the video up tonight. Um, I was lying on the sofa here, Jonathan, and I let out a wee squeal when little <laughs> little baby Yoda came out. Great, Gro- Grogu. Came out a, a little squeal came out of me when he came on the screen. I was like, ah, he's back. I didn't see back. that because I don't I don't read up because I like to be I be want to be surprised. So I don't know what's going to happen. Blah blah. I just like to go along with it like a moron. And when yeah. he came on the screen, I was just so made up, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they were going to bring him back, and I thought they were going to do like a Mandalorian shows up and sort of kind of what happened. He was told. Don't go near him, that sort of thing. I didn't think they were going to show him, but they did. And they showed Luke Skywalker as well. Like, I mean, technology is actually amazing now that <laughs> Why? Mark Hamill just looks like like that isn't CGI at all. Like it's just absolutely bonkers. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, like that was 
it was like I agree it was one of my favorite episodes as well it was just it was amazing and then you know there's characters now showing up from you know the Clone Wars series and things like that and is Clone you know, Wars everyone... good Clone Wars is good um I think there's like was there seven or eight seasons or something there is a lot of seasons um it's the same with there's another one but I haven't watched it Rebels and then there's the Bad Batch. I watched a few episodes of that last year, but I didn't get finishing it. Um, the Wii Star Wars shows are, are quite good, yeah. They, they fill in a lot of the gaps between the movies. You know, so there's um, Clone Wars filled in, obviously, between episode two and episode three. So that tells you what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's worth, if, if people want to just delve further into the Star Wars universe, like, it's it's worth their while, I suppose. Um, yeah. Like they're all on Disney now, like so. If you, if you have Disney or if you have a dodgy stick, like I don't know who would have a dodgy stick, but yeah, you can you can find such things if you Steve. if you desire. Steve, yeah, of course yeah, it's Steve. Steve, definitely Stephen. Um, yeah. So the ending, then great episode actually as a whole. Like the the Mandalorian going back to find his little and uh, son from son from another mother. Um, and try and get him, and, and obviously he just wants to give him his his armor. But it, it it's quite cool how he, he and every time the Mandalorian, by the way, pops up with a new character, always asking where the little guy is, which I love. Like, mm-hmm. um, but then the ending with kids being uh what being being um. There's not many times you'll get a character on TV, and I know this is a TV show, and I know it's a Star Wars show, where you'll be like, fuck, he actually is a bit frightening looking. Yeah, he is a bit frightening looking, isn't he? Uh, yeah, and it, it was brilliant. A yeah, brilliant thing. when he was walking up, I was kind of like, who the fuck is this? And then, obviously, the closer and closer he got, and I was kind of like, is that him? And then when he lifted up his head, I was like, holy fuck, they actually have brought him into the show. Uh, he's in the Clone Wars, and he's also apparently he's in the Bad Batch as well at some stage. Um, now, I read a, a wee article on Den of the Geek um, after I watched that yesterday, and just saying how it's setting the final episode up. It's kind of crazy now. Next week's the final episode. Mm. Don't want it to be the final episode. Yet. No, it's it's getting really good now. Yeah, it's getting good. Like even they said, you know, it started off so slow, but it has. It's picked up pace. It's it's. It's getting good, and all we need next week is like Luke Skywalker show up and like fucking kill everybody and Grogu on his shoulder or something. Be absolutely mental. But yeah, like the book of, of Boba has has definitely packed up and getting good, and it's gonna lead into the next Mandalorian series, no doubt. Do, do you think any it. of this will cross over into the next Star Wars film? I don't know. Or into a but, Star Wars film. It, well, it might do. Obviously, like this series is based between episode six and seven, so I kind of like obviously where uh, the Mandalorian was there, where Luke's building this this school. I wasn't sure, kind of, when they showed up, whether well, this is like Kylo Ren was going to show up. You know, uh, yeah, that's what I thought. It's like fuck. I wonder if he's going to show up as like a kid or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, maybe maybe something like that is going to happen in, in future series or whatever. Like I think that'll be quite interesting. But after Bo was finished, obviously later this year we get the Obi Wan series, and I mean that's going to be absolutely 
mad because Darth Vader's obviously going to be in that and Hayden, Hayden Christian's back as Darth Vader. So, I mean, like, you could never have imagined this stuff years ago when they brought out, like, they had, like, episode three and after Star Wars it kind of finished and then they brought out the new Star Wars movies there over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And now Disney Which I might Plus, start rewatching. Yeah, like, Disney Plus now is just, like, so many... And not just with the Star Wars, like even Marvel, like how they're breaking off into all these series that's filling in gaps and giving more stories to characters, which are like like the way Marvel are with their TV series, it's moving into into films like uh, WandaVision now. Wanda's obviously going to be in the new Doctor Strange film and things like that. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Star Wars did move their TV series down the line towards like a, a, a movie that's like God knows what it'll involve, whether it be the Mandalorians or or whatever like or you know it'll be they always have a plan i would say they're years ahead in their plan and they know exactly what's coming and what they're going to do and like obviously it's exciting times to be a young sort of star wars fan or marvel or whatever you're into like all the disney stuff's just absolutely bonkers but um, what do you you make of john farver as he sort of took this over i think he couldn't have done it any better (laughs) Yeah, he's he's really been heavily involved. Like he was heavily involved with Marvel stuff as well. Like and that's just and Dave um bloody hell's Dave second name Filoni or whatever the hell he had pronounced it. He's obviously heavily involved with all the Star Wars stuff as well. I think he maybe has something to do with Marvel. I think I'm not entirely mm-hmm. sure, but yeah, like just he obviously did um brought the Mandalorian. Like he was one that pitched the idea, came up with the story, wrote wrote the episodes, things like that. So, um, I mean, it is kind of mad how people think of these type of things and a couple of these <laughs> yeah. stories and how they link it all, you know, to different movies and all this sort of stuff. Like, it's just, it blows my mind sometimes. I suppose that's just the big nerd in me. I just love it. And I want more and more and more and you more lightsabers. But I, do I love, love it. it because of you. Like, I would not have gone into Star Wars without, unless meeting you like it wouldn't it was something i just was like i don't know if i want to even give that time because i think my dad tried to get me into it do you remember when they what was the phantom menace or something one of the early 2000s or early late yeah. 1990s one was was coming back was was coming out and dad was trying to get me to get back into it and it never really gripped me and i had the games for nintendo 64 mm-hmm. and then the racing game with what do you call that character that got really famous uh, uh, what do you call him? He was like a. Did he, he was an animal. Like... What? Yes. Oh, he raised a pod. Yeah. Uh... Do you know who I'm talking about though? Don't you? It's the wee friggin. What the fuck's his name? He 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 was really he was funny and and everyone loved him. Like he had a long tail and sort of not dreadlocks but sort of her and he was like a, he, was, he was like a cross between like a a frog and a dragon type thing that's what? what i'm talking about bloody not jar jar yes jar jar binks god uh, almighty he's the most hated character in the yeah, universe universe unreal he he thought he was dose like but remember at, at him the game he was obviously heavily involved in it and then i just wasn't hooked and then lockdown uh hit when something needs something to watch because you got me to watch all the marvels um, I haven't done the Marvels and then it's Star Wars and I just um like it's not something I tell talk to anyone else about like but I'm just a massive love everything Star Wars like 
to yeah. the point where I want to dress Finn up as Star Wars characters. He would be an unreal Darth Vader. You know, it's like Stewie was in Family Guy. That's <laughs> he would look big, like he would look unreal as that. Um, but yeah, like the I I wasn't sold on Boba Fett, but I stuck with it. And in the last two two and a half episodes, I've just been sublime. Just been brilliant. Yeah. Really, really good. So I don't think um, Branton didn't really like the original Star Wars, but I think that's probably because you know they're made in the seventies and things. Maybe the special effects and all that sort of thing. I love them. I love them though. Yeah, no, I love that as well. But it's it's not like he's not the only person to say that to me that Mm. has started watching the old Star Wars films because of obviously the new ones and the new series being out, and they're just saying like it's so crap. I'm like, well, well, it's not like it's great. Like that's just old. 70s 80s freaking graphics like and they've digitally remastered it as well so they have kind of brought it up the spec but now i love it like i love the whole vader and you know the lightsabers going up and you can just tell it's like a torch like somebody's freaking holding a stick with a bit of freaking light going through it like you know (laughs) it's it's unreal Mm -hmm. i love it it's just i I watched star wars growing up like so i've always sort of loved them and my dad always loves to tell the story how he rented a new hope out on video the night that my eldest sister was born. <laughs> so that's the first time he ever watched Star Wars. Nice. That's like what was that? Friggin' nineteen eighty something. So yeah. This it's it's just um those wee <laughs> stories like just stick with you like Big John watching Star Wars in the eighties, but John. um w- walking around Porty Nine and Lurgan like he was uh, Han Solo. Um, and he thought he was, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing I was watching, and I'm almost finished. I'm on the last episode now. Is the semi-only documentary on Amazon Prime. Now, anybody that listens to this show or, or knows me is, I love Diego Simeone. I am currently wearing an Argentina top. Now it's a it's a 1986 uh, retro remake. It's not an original. I don't have the money to buy one of those. Um, with number ten in the back from Maradona. But I love. Diego Simeone, and I love South American football players, managers, the culture. It's my yeah, it's my it's my gig, like you know. I love all that. I love whatever. Um, so I I was getting into it now. When you look at Diego Simeone, you, you like I'm asking you, Johnny. You look at him and you think what? As a He's person, a and a man, and, yeah, and a manager, and you think someone hard as fuck, don't you? Someone. No, just I wouldn't want tight, to Do not mess with him. Hard as fuck. Only thinks about football. Hates everyone else. There's an Atletico Madrid associated. And on you go. Nah. This program, and I, I understand as well. I think possibly this program was gone, brought out as well for Simeone to show a different side of him. Because I think he probably wants the people to start seeing this different side of him. It is completely different. He, yes, on the field and with Atletico Madrid, he's a winner and a killer. Um, but away from it, he is such a loving husband and parent, and he cries nearly every episode. <laughs> he gets emotional talking about people, uh, friends, and and his family, and his three boys that he's very close with. And also, he's the two girls now as well with his his second wife, and I think they're both former with the two girls. And he's he's unreal with them. He's unbelievable with them. He thinks about football still 24-7. He works in football 24-7. But this program, some of these can get too cheesy. Uh, I didn't watch the Spurs one because I I'd saw snippets of it. And I just was like, this is just, I can't do this. Um, But this one it gives you a real side of Simeone you haven't seen. And I, I just love him even more now, Jonathan. He just, 
comes across as now yes there was times on the pitch where he's gonna be bollocks but we'll have me all um but yeah it's i would highly recommend it to anyone to watch i will definitely put it on the list i've actually been making my way through like sporting things that you and patty and whatever have recommended like obviously patty i think maybe you said about it as well the all blacks all or nothing um mm-hmm. i'm currently watching that as well it's actually been great watch like it really really has i've really enjoyed it uh obviously the six nation starts back this week so it's obviously been exciting times as well so yeah that that one's on the list the brazil one's on my list as well it's very good because you said about it and it Uh made you love danny alves for some (laughs) daft reason uh big shout out danny alves captain brazil the other night so Mm -hmm. it looks like he is going to make the world cup squad um god this year mind blown it's this year um yeah and simeone will put on the list there's a few other ones like there actually is quite a lot of them all or nothing documentaries on prime but there are a lot of them are are quite like nfl sort of teams so i don't really know like i probably will watch one of the nfl ones i'm I'm not into american football as you know like you and steve are obviously big into it but maybe if i watch one it might spark a bit of interest or something i don't know but um yeah there's there's plenty of good stuff out there for people to watch like me and Trace at the moment are just currently rewatching Lane of Duty, um, yes. because that this their responders on at the moment with um, Bilbo Baggins, Martin, Martin, Martin Freeman, yeah, and then there's the one on ATV with your girl who plays Kate or Lane of Duty, but apparently it's shite, so I haven't bothered me ass. But uh, there's 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 plenty of things popping up now, um, and there's more coming out later this year. And the Batman's out Is that next month. <laughs> I think so, but I'll not watch it. I've said last week it's too long for me. I'm too old now. <laughs> it is very long. It is very long. But I suppose before I finish here, uh, um, I hear um, Branton was lying on the pitch like a wee bitch the other day. What's, what's, what's going on with that? <sighs> well, it, is he is he is he been watching too much Diego Costa friggin' diving and to give him his dues, he took he scored two goals, took both of them well. One was a header naturally. Um and one was a lovely little slide finish past the goalkeeper. Um, but then he now he he got a he got a bad tackle. Uh, just above the knee, and me and his his father were sort of wee bit concerned that, fuck, this looks bad, because he did stay down for a while, and he sort of was writhing in pain a little bit, holding the knee, and we thought, oh no, he's in trouble. Can you put this in uh, a bit of context for people that that maybe don't know Brenton that well? Brenton, in my experience, has been a bit like Jack Wilshire when it comes to injuries. So <laughs> he, you know, he's wee, he's wee, he's wee bit saft. He's wee oh, bit no. saft when it comes to injuries. So. Yes. Anyway, sorry. Continue. You continue. Sorry to interrupt. Go on ahead. I didn't know you had a death wish. Um, <laughs> but so, but it, it, he was there. The tackle should have been yellow carded at least. It was it was knee high. He was very lucky he wasn't badly injured. But it turns out he was just, you know, just having a lie down. We'll put it that way. And I have never been more I have never been more proud of him in my life. Even though he is engaged and getting married to the Brendan <laughs> Carey and he's bought a house. I'm I've still never been more prouder in the almost eight years I've known him than to see that tomfoolery on Saturday. So big up my little brother in law Brenton. Mucho grasso, sir, and keep little it going. Big. Little big, little big brawn though. But yeah, I'm, uh, you'd have been playing. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to get out and see him um, play some of these Saturdays. Yeah. 
See him. I'll record it for the Bible. We shall. I'll do. We'll do live commentary. <laughs> oh, and it's big tree, big Groot on the ball. Big Groot, he scores. Big Groot. <laughs> Jesus, I put right. him off like, but he'll enjoy it. He will. Folks, on that note, I think we'll end T and B for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. Um, as always, as I said earlier. Catch us on our socials at the Football Babble, um, on Twitter and Instagram. Get us on Patreon as well if you can. Sorry, Football Babble Pod. Sorry, on Twitter and Instagram. If you can, at patreon.com forward slash Football Babble. As I, as I always say, whatever you can donate, it would be amazing. It helps us keep this thing going. It can help us get better uh, equipment and do more things. The podcast we can keep growing it. So, and I'll also if you do listen to it, it is your thing. You want to listen to it during the week or whatever. Tell your mates. Spread the love, spread the word, get us more listenership, and then the thing will take off. Jonathan, I shall speak to you over the weekend, my friend. Behave yourself and have a good one. Look, well, Ireland are playing Wales, so I am probably going to have a few games on Saturday. Can't lie. Yeah, I'd like to think so, sir. All right, everyone. Good luck.